I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep, the podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode, where we watched Sound of Metal, directed by Darius Martyr and starring Riz Ahmed as a metal drummer who has suddenly lost his hearing and must deal with the fallout. But before we cut to our conversation about Sound of Metal, which we both really enjoyed, we want to make you aware, listener, uh, to a giveaway that we are running this week in advance of next week's podcast and the movie we're going to be watching. Next week, we will be covering the new film, Minari, and we're so excited about it. We want to help you watch it. We want to pay for... One lucky listener's Minari rental this weekend. Uh, Minari is only available as a $20 video on demand rental, and we want to help you. Mitchell, how can they enter our giveaway? To enter the giveaway, all you have to do is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, screenshot that review, and send it to either our email or our direct message on Instagram. Our email is just movieswhilethesleep at gmail.com. And our Instagram handle is just at movies while they sleep. And, you know, hey, while you're at the Instagram, might as well give us a follow and you can even find more details about the giveaway. But uh, we're going to choose one lucky listener uh, this upcoming weekend. So make sure to get your entry in uh, by Friday, March 12th. Yeah, on Friday, we will be announcing a winner. And that way, uh, whoever wins can get Minari, watch it that weekend in advance of the following Tuesday's podcast episode. So we're excited about that. All those details we're going to repeat at the end of the episode. You can also find that on Instagram and all that good stuff. We're excited about this, Mitchell. It's our first giveaway. Our first giveaway for a very worthy movie. We're excited for our giveaway. We're excited for Minari. But we are also excited about our conversation that we have already had that is already in progress about Sound of Metal. Let's do it. I'm, I've found that I, I'm a creature of ritual. Yeah. But, but I like those little rituals that I get to engage with, which are, are fewer and fewer with COVID right now. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you feel like there's been a loss in a lot of that? Well, I think with, I was thinking about church too. Yeah. It, it's like, it's not even that I'm necessarily getting so much out of, of the message or worship or whatever. But it's the ritual of going to a thing and refocusing your attention yeah. even for an hour. And also seeing people that you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to see you guys every week. You're not even in my life or we're not even close friends, but I know I'm seeing you every week. And they're coming to this place with the same purpose as you. Yeah. And so you feel connected with them, even though you may never speak to them. You could go right. months it's or years. It's a weird, weird, comforting community. Yeah. Even at it, arm's length. Because even within that, you find people. But I, like, even, even if I don't like people or plan on pursuing relationship past Sundays, there's something about the maybe. It's not accountability, but it's yeah. just the, the act of seeing someone every week. Yeah. The ritual of that. Especially you, you bring up church, and we we talk about liturgy in the church, and and liturgy for for a lot of people evokes like 
kind of very uh, outdated or old school traditional models of church where there's readings and we stand and we sit and do this but liturgy is just like the routine the thing the thing that the, the, the work that you do as you're going about the worship service whether that's for a church um liturgy starts when you are getting the coffee from the coffee cart or whatever it is right and right. and it, it's that funny thing of like how much so many people are probably really missing like cheap, bad church coffee. But it was such right. a big part of their process of just going and sitting and being in worship. Right, exactly. And there's something oddly comforting about it. Obviously, since COVID, it feel it doesn't feel like ritual just doing the same thing every day. It just feels like doing the same thing every day. Yeah. What do you think the difference is? I don't know. Like one, they both feel mundane, but one is easier to apply a lens of meaning over it for me. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. So the context. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one, you're going and doing something. Yeah. And and obviously, two, you're doing something at home every day. But it, it feels easier to yeah. compartmentalize the action of I'm going here, I'm seeing these people, I'm doing these acts, you know, regardless of how meaningful they are, you know. Yeah, I saw some... BBC article today and it was I don't remember the statistics or anything like that but it was kind of tracking the numbers of percentages of people who work from their beds whoa yeah and it was some extraordinary number of workers report spending at least 20 to 40 hours of their work week in their bed since COVID started did it talk about what that correlated to in their life or, no, or I mean, I was just kind of, work? no, Megan and I were talking about it. I was, we were just kind of getting the big headline pieces mm. of it. Um, but, but I'm just kind of, I'm really fascinated by that because that was something even, you know, because I go to an office most days that I work, but I don't, I mean, there's no, there's not a lot of people at the office and it's, you know, it's a safe COVID wise space and we're, we're doing church safely in person. So I don't I don't feel as effective as affected as I did a year ago. But when COVID started, like it would have been unthinkable to me to take meetings and do Zoom calls and do my prep and stuff work from my bed. Like that would have been right, right. Uh, there there was a good couple months, maybe two months, where it was like the sweatpants, but still getting to your desk. Yeah, but I I found pretty quickly that I need to get dressed. I need to have my normal quote unquote yeah. ritual yeah. to even be semi productive for the day. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And then there's weird weird triggers in your mind of of oh pants and shoes signal to me doing something or or like e- even assuming a posture of I am here to work or do a job well. Yeah. I mean it's just I mean I, I like I remember I would get up and, and shower and then I would put like put my regular pomade in my hair in the morning. Right. But I wasn't going to leave the house right. and I didn't live with it. Like that Megan was still in Ghana. Like there was literally no purpose in that other than I feel more prepared to work and engage. Right. And, and so, so, and I needed that. Like I, I really needed that structure and those handlebars for getting just into the routine of whatever it is we were in a year ago. Right. And similar with clothes. Yeah. Of, 
this type of clothing says, all right, we're doing something today. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the things, I talked about this last week when we went and saw a movie in a theater when we were in Boise, but I think part of what was so meaningful about it for me was not the movie that we saw, which was really meaningful. And we'll talk about that movie next week. But it was the ritual of going to a theater. Right. Like we, this week, we we watched that movie on VOD streaming and we tried to a small degree recreate the movie experience where our, our Trinity snack co- combo for a movie visit, the Holy Trinity is a, you know, butter popcorn, yep. peanut M&M's mm. specifically, and a cherry icy that means Sarah split. And that we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, you know, t- a toe out a line of that three anytime we go. Um, and so we did, like, you know, we did something similar and we did a soda and those snacks, but it, there's, it, it doesn't come close. No, no. I mean, you know. and, and you're still consuming the exact same content, <laughs> right? Both the, the like, calorie yeah. content and the actual movie. Yeah, literally consuming it and also the, the, the piece of culture that we're engaging in. It's literally the same thing, but it is, it's a, it's so much the ritual that adds meaning and context to what you're doing, I think. Right. Yeah, and I, it just makes me think for this year how many rituals that I'm um, missing and, and maybe not even aware that I'm missing or, or things that I took not took for granted, like, oh, man, you don't know till it's gone. But just things I literally forgot that I did. Yeah. That, I, you know. That I were know. small, small, tiny things. Right. Well, and maybe this is a good segue into it. But I, I'll of, pause to say here, I, I brought tonight my go-to the, movies. Your, your ritual candy. Yeah, my, my hot tamales. So. Since we were kids, I've never understood this candy. <laughs> it's disgusting to me. No, it's so good. Hot tamales, gross. Um, but I don't know the, this movie, The Sound of Metal, which is what we're talking about today, has a lot of layers. And I watched it for a second time. I think you've seen it once. I've seen it twice. I watched it again this week. Okay, sweet. Um, the first time I watched it, I watched it in in um, like periods. Like mm. I watched it half one day, half another day, and it was kind of like. One was partly on my lunch break for work, and one was, you know, sneaking moments while Abel's napping and all this good stuff. Yeah. So it, it didn't hit me as hard because I wasn't committing my full attention to it the first viewing. But rewatched it this week, last night, and and man, it it was it was hanging with me a lot more. And I think part of like why we are even talking about rituals in the first place and connecting it to this movie is I, I've found during COVID the temptation to overstimulate my brain throughout the day as kind of making up for the everydayness mm. of quarantine. Of And I've talked about this before on, on the podcast of I, I feel this need to kind of be addicted to distraction yeah, in the form of podcasts or movies or TV shows or checking social or selling NFTs, what's up, crypto crypto gang. Um, and this movie really obviously addresses a lot of that noise. Not not so much in 
in the specifics of what I'm talking about, but that idea of, of the search for stillness and, and to a degree creating ritual to get there. Mm. Cause I feel like, like I, I feel like I really need rituals to get me to do anything. Yeah. And that includes being still for a second. Yeah. Which I feel like before COVID I had some outlets for that, including church. Yeah. I think I think what's so interesting about the movie is there is this the a central theme of stillness and 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 what what I would kind of call in in my own relationship to stillness as it applies to my faith and my relationship to, with God we always pair the word stillness with the word silence and so there's kind of this irony of the film is this man who's now living in silence and so he's halfway there um, but there's this stripping away of so much of his life and so much of his routine and we see the identity yeah it's his identity and it's his daily everything that he does and we see that at the beginning of the film we see his you know the concert the rv the i wake up and i do this and i make this breakfast and i you know i work out and put I, on this record i put on this record i clean the sound equipment you know he goes through this process and you take away you you know he's now forced into silence you take away his hearing and now so much of that it has has no meaning because he can't participate in it and then even the stuff that he can is um almost like desaturated it, it, it it's it, it's less for him because of the loss and so then the movie is so much about his search for being able to sit in that silence and be okay and be content and right. how do you build that into into your life because I think it's this interesting tension for me at least if we build routine and sometimes I think we build routine and fill our day with routine in order to not have to think about mm. not not have to sit not have to sit in the stillness and, and be just with our thoughts so the routine right. almost protects us from that but at the right. same time I'm like you where actually really strong structured routine gets me uh, releases me into the freedom of finding that space one of the things that and i'll give a really concrete example one of the things that i've tried to develop and i've been uh at times really consistent at times less consistent i'm kind of in the middle right now with this but this is just kind of a a routine of prayer for me um is is something called the daily offices so i get a reminder on my phone whatever uh, four times a day at four appointed times and it's a reminder to stop and pray and I can open the app and I can read the like prepared prayer that's even just there and it's like the same ones every day and so on the surface it doesn't look like there's a lot of meaning there but actually it's the fact that I have to build it into my routine to force me to stop and do it is really reorienting for me at these different times each day and, and has been a really meaningful practice for me to right uh find moments to sit and be silent and be okay right what is so scary about that because i'm finding it like maybe not ooh scary monster under the bed scary but in how the lengths i will go to avoid it, it, it it's got to be at least uh intimidating to me and to people in general hmm I can speak to why I avoid it 
and 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 the it in question is like just being alone with our thoughts right yeah that's kind of what we're talking about yeah i mean as as much as he uh has been canceled louis ck had a great story on conan about this Mm. uh or maybe it was a bit i'm not sure but driving down the road and our phones have become a instant I can not think about what I'm feeling yeah and drive driving in his car and having that feeling well up of sadness or loneliness or rejection whatever it is and then having the you know immediate urge I can just pick up my phone and be away with this yeah and he and he chooses not to and he pulls over and he just balls on the Mm. side of the road to himself just crying and feeling for a bit yeah you know yeah and it's me about it feels like a lot of people are are not wanting to have that moment or engage with stillness i would say because of like okay again i'll speak for me it it is hard to engage with stillness because i i don't know what what's going to come up i guess that's the only thing i can think of it doesn't feel like i'm actively avoiding Uh, that yeah i think i can i think what i would say uh for me in the trying to avoid it is I have to if if I'm kind of alone and sitting in my thoughts and there's some stillness, then I I kind of am forced into uh, just a little bit of a, a an accounting of my day or my time, and uh, there's there are voices of shame about was I productive enough today? Did I achieve enough today? Did I accomplish enough today? Did I, did I do enough work to justify having gotten through the day and like feeling the way I do? You know, I mean, it's that, it's that, you know, it's a cliche joke or whatever that we don't feel like we do get, get a lot done, especially at the beginning of the pandemic during the workday, but we're all exhausted all the time. And so like being forced to be alone in that, it's, it's now I'm, now I'm doing an account of, uh, a taking stock, um, and specifically, I replace that st- silence with a podcast or something that I can consume, and it gives me the illusion of productivity. It feels like I'm learning. Yes. It feels like I'm participating in culture. I am, um, you know, I'm able to watch another movie so I can log it on my letterbox diary, and that makes me feel great. And record a podcast. And about record it. a podcast about it, of course. And so the routine and filling my day with all kinds of stuff is the thing. It's actually the direct response from what I'm trying to avoid um, mm. when I'm when I'm in that still place. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that productivity pull. Yeah, I I, I think yeah. As you're talking about it, I'm realizing what I was feeling even. Um, like ten minutes before we started this podcast, where I was like, I, I want to gather my thoughts about this movie because it's it's worthy of it but to gather your thoughts you need to be quiet i'm like i really don't want to turn off this podcast and listen i know to. and i'm like why what is going on with that yeah and i'm like oh the thought of turning this off it, it, something about it tells my brain that it's a little lonely now mm. and i think that's probably the crux of of why i'm inclined to stuff my day with distractions yeah and i think in the uh, movie oh go ahead oh no no that was that was it i was gonna say i think in the movie what we see because because this really comes to a head for ruben the 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 lead character in this film when 
he's in this kind of rehab facility for deaf addicts. I think that's kind of the, the best way to describe the premise, the w- where the he's found himself, the community that he's found himself in. Yeah. And he is kind of adjusting. I mean, I think at that point he's, he's, he's there. He is he's maybe, in a sort of rhythm. Yeah. He's not thriving yet. Joe, the guy that runs the, the, community in the house and all of that he kind of catches Ruben doing like handiwork and chores around the property and in, in his downtime in his downtime like constantly doing something yeah and and Joe is this great presence in the film and is this great just really this presence of wisdom I feel like in the film and every every time he's in a scene there is a steadiness that that character brings to everyone around yeah. him and and so Joe recognizes that Ruben is not dealing with his trauma of going deaf in in a way that is reflective, in a way that is, um, I don't want to say not healthy, but at least not constructive moving forward. It's not, he's not growing. It's not what he needs. It's not what he needs. And, and he may be, you know, sustaining himself and and just kind of getting by but what joe wants for reuben and everyone else in his community is is growth and and flourishing and thriving and acceptance and acceptance and 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 i love the way that he says that in kind of their first conversation together when reuben first shows up at that the the facility and Ruben is already talking about his implants. I'm going to get these implants and this is going to be the solution. I'm going to get back to playing music. And I can fix this. I can I, fix yeah, this. I can fix this. And here's, here's the pathway toward that. Um, I'm open to being here for a little while, but this is a temporary thing. This, this community, this, this facility, this home, uh, this is temporary. And Joe is so quick to really lay out, what I think is a guiding principle for him, for that character and for the community he's creating, which is you, Ruben, your problem is not that your ears don't work anymore. It, it your, your problem is, is one that is uh, emotional, that is mental, that is in, in your mind because of his, um, his addiction and the trauma that comes with losing your hearing that there, there's so much now set in motion and off balance because of that. Yeah. And especially for Ruben, who just to give context, is a drummer. Yeah. In yes. a metal band playing on the title. So it's not just that he's lost his hearing, it's lost it's he's lost his entire identity as a musician. Yeah. And and we come to find that in a lot of ways music and his partner at the time got him out of the addict life. Yeah. Yeah, or so much as to he has been sober for four years. Yeah, and it's and it's there's a specific correlation there because Joe asks Ruben, "How long have you been sober?" He says four years, and then I mean it's within a minute. How long have you and and Lou been together? Lou. And he says, "Oh, you know, four years." Um, yeah, and, and they're in a band together. Yeah, I mean it's just the two of them as this him duo. And his girlfriend. We see so much of the the things that he's built uh, around him in his life, his his relationship with his girlfriend, his music, his identity as uh, a drummer. All of that is what's kind of the the walls that are protecting him from relapse, from from addiction, from his his drug abuse. And all of that is taken away in this instant of him losing his hearing. And, and so you take away that and now all of the kind of self-protection stuff is, is starting to disappear. 
And I think part, I don't, I don't maybe, I don't know how to explore this, but I think part of what the movie is maybe saying about Ruben is those things were good and healthy, but actually when you take them away, there was still this really broken guy that maybe hadn't uh, dealt with what was here in his mind, here in his heart as, uh, uh, yeah, obviously there was, there was more work to do. I put it that way. Right. For one of the more moving moments for me in the movie that I didn't um, latch onto the first time I saw it was uh, when Joe, uh, and, and it's later in the movie and we're going to get there, but he talks about that stillness that Ruben is so, and I think you were going to touch on this too, of you know Ruben trying to engage with that stillness in the form of um, journaling. Yeah. which is what Joe recommends for him. Yeah. And he, he is unable to uh, just sit in a empty room with no phone, no, no music, can't, can't draw, just has to get his thoughts out or sit still. Yeah. And there's a lot of anger um, responding to that, to that um, invitation from Joe. And um, like the whole movie stillness is being avoided. Yeah. And, um, that, so and we, that is that just kind of what I was saying earlier about him, Ruben, you know, finding the work and the handiwork and the repair stuff as a way to avoid it. And Joe's kind of prescription, his remedy is, Hey Ruben, I need you to get up early every day. I'm going to make you a cup of coffee. Which always looks amazing. I know. I want you to use my study and there's going to be pen and paper in there. And I want you to just sit and be still and be okay with yourself. And if you can't do that, I want you to write, but you can't even draw because Ruben's an artist. Yeah, because he's an artist, and so so Joe is forcing him to cl- clearly forcing him to engage in ways uh, that Ruben is not comfortable with, that he's trying to avoid, and right. and the the one of the quotes that is so deeply resonant for me in the film this is what Joe says. He, he says the world does keep moving, and it can be a damn cruel place, but. For me, those moments of stillness, that place, that's the kingdom of God. And that place will never abandon you. Yeah. And I think he says that later in the movie when Ruben basically is in this kind of towards the end of the movie. And Ruben's in this desperate place of like, I, I don't matter. What I contribute to this community doesn't matter. The, the My presence, I can leave and nobody's going to care. Right. And, and Joe's like, yeah, the world keeps spinning, man. That's not like we can't find our identity and what we bring to other people in in anything like that or our abilities or anything. We need to find security, stability, anchoring in in stillness because. Right. And that was the moment I was going to bring up is him saying that will never leave you. Yes. Especially for Ruben when by what we have seen or can we understand about the character at this point? Everything has. Yes. And yeah, and even as we're talking now, I just find it interesting too that the, the don't draw idea, mm-hmm. because sometimes it feels like art can be viewed as a, um, uh, like a medication for artists. Yeah. To like this is how they can exercise their demons. This is how they can deal with all the stuff that's going on with them. Yeah. And it's like oh, even art can be an escape. Mm. Even art can be avoidant in you actually facing yourself and and your demons in a lot of ways like looking it can be this like kind of abstraction of my trauma or my it's another way you can be distant from it yeah yeah oh absolutely and so 
and and you bring up his Ruben's that first morning is just just he's just in this total space of anger no interest right. in being just sitting he's in slamming the walls he's yelling he's destroying this delicious looking donut oh yeah he smashes the donut gathers <laughs> the crumbs back up and I smashes know. it again it's great that's a great that's a great moment it is a great moment but yeah so i mean obviously that is this really kind of vital uh through line in this film as I think and the kind of the arc of the movie is this stripping away uh, so that Ruben can find that by the end. Right. Right. And uh, I mean, we can I, I, I like the idea of the pod being more of a um, hopping around the yeah. ideas of the movie yeah. versus like, let's just run beat by beat. Because sure. the, the hope is that people will watch this. Yeah. But um, if you hadn't, we're talking enough about life that, you know, just hop on. You're well, here. Yeah. But um, just to just to mention that you, you talk about the arc of the movie um, and noticing this on the on the second. Like this way, I love a movie that rewards multiple viewings and not all do. This one definitely does. And um, really having known the plot and knowing you know what's going to happen you're freed up to think about what's being presented at any given time yeah. did you really feel like the innumerable rewatches that you did of the emperor's new groove were, were a really rewarding rich experience uh well i don't know if you saw the meme i posted earlier today but i quote tweeted or tweet quoted that movie yeah so those those lines of dialogue being burned in my brain is my reward okay great and i'm taking it with me Anyway, um, but the arc of this thing, uh, and so watching again, just noticing the opening shot of, like, I like to try to compare this movie to a palindrome of, I mean, it's not, it, it's less a palindrome of that it's the same backwards and forwards, but it's a, it's a reflection backwards and forwards. It's kind of this echoing reflection. Yeah, because the opening shot of the movie is uh, Ruben at his drum kit. Yeah, and the 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 show's starting. He's about to go insane. There's so much. There's just feedback from the amps. There's there's just uh the, the kind of the vibrations of a rock show starting, and then he, he plays this insane solo. The lights are going. The camera gets all shaky. All of a sudden, he's spitting into the air, and it's just mm-hmm. sensory overload, right? And then the last shot, uh, which is beautiful, is yeah. he's gotten the implants that that kind of work but are are they sound terrible and it's so distorting his hearing it's it's enough that he can now communicate verbally and hear yeah but it's the the implants are less hearing aids and more i don't i don't even know how would you describe them because they're 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 not just his hearing is is at like a 10 percent. it's completely gone and so these hearing aids uh as described in the movie trick his brain into thinking that he's hearing yeah and so when and the sound design in this movie is unbelievable to me um but so what you hear from his hearing aids is pretty distorted and tinny and um old radio really dissonant sound and it's very unpleasant yeah it's very unpleasant so him walking around a city which is what he's doing at the end of the movie uh just taking in all that noise and church bells ironically start ringing that are loud and abrasive He's finally sitting on a bench, and he turns those those feedback giving uh, implants off, 
and he's actually able to be still but the shot is the same like the way he is sitting up and and kind of the framing of it is like the way he's sitting at that drum kit with the feedback of the amps going yeah i mean it's almost i mean you could even look at it in this statement of before he loses his hearing the place where he is most kind of truly himself and comfortable in himself is in that stool behind his drum kit and what so much of the film is like relearning that and getting to that moment and that space for him and he, it's not going to be playing music behind a drum kit anymore right and so the beauty of that moment is actually he's been able to just find that in in, in total silence in the middle of a busy city that he just does, doesn't have to engage with in any way shape or form right just on a bench open to the world yeah and there's and and even even to a degree some of the plot lines have this interesting reflection where the first the first scene after that opening drum sequence he's waking up with his girlfriend in their rv yeah and he gets his noisy day started the scene right before the end of the movie where he's on that bench yeah he's he's having this emotional moment with his no longer girlfriend as they realize that their relationship has kind of come to an end. Yeah. Both, both in uh, a cathartic and healthy way for both of them. Yeah. But that's taking place in a bed. Right. Right. And yeah. So there's all these little like reflections that, that kind of echo towards the middle of the movie of him. Yeah. I guess finding his way at that, that, that deaf community. Yeah. But, but still making a choice to get the implants. Yeah, I think that I think kind of going backwards and forwards, the, the meets in the middle, really in those scenes where he first begins to um, to to engage in the discipline of stillness and silence, and and it's the initial this is madness and he hates it and he's angry, and then pivoting into him actually finding some comfort in that, him learning how to do that, and then what the and what I love about it is it is the the movie shows you the value of a discipline like that because it shows the fruit then that flows to the rest of his life. He becomes a more giving, generous person with the other people in the deaf community. He becomes a more giving and generous spirit with the kids at the deaf school that he's volunteering at. And But that doesn't happen until he really is is disciplined to learn how to just sit and be still with, with himself. Mm. And I think sometimes we want to be able to do all the other things and be generous, kind people, but out there and productive and all of that, kind of precisely so we don't have to sit alone by right. ourselves. And and what right. Ruben is finding is actually the fruit of this discipline is is a is is so much greater. His his life is a lot more rich because he's able to uh, figure this out and find that time. And then and then the, you know and that's ultimately you know kind of the 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 great expression of that is the final shots of the film. Right. Yeah, the, that that stillness is the kingdom of God thing keeps hanging yeah. with me, though, of it'll never abandon you. Because as I was thinking about trying to engage with stillness more in my life, it's 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 really hard to because it because it's one of those few things that isn't quantifiable of you, you seeing direct um, results or or fruit. Not even fruit. That feels too, like, churchy way of saying this. But, like, you know, if I read a book, mm-hmm. I get the knowledge from that book. Yes. If I sit by myself and feel for a bit, I don't see a direct, I get this out of it. 
And, and it's one of those things where it's like, I know it to be true, the value of it, but it's so hard to convince myself of it in the moment to actually do it. I mean, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's kind of like, cause, cause learn, I mean, reading a book, at least there's some, um, uh, learning and input, but I think about like working out as a discipline, like physical, mm-hmm. physical exercise. And, and that can be a thing where you're not going to really see the, the good consequences of that for some time. Right. However, I can still, you know, uh, track my exercise on my watch and my fitness tracker and like right. I know how many calories I burned and this was great. And I can, you know, mentally input that into my progress and, you know, you can quantify it still. Yeah. It's the daily quest. I see to, my steps. I got my steps <laughs> yes. in today. It's the daily quest to close your Apple watch rings. And right. And so even that has it where actually stillness and silence, uh, there's almost nothing uh, that's even trackable other than I did it. I did it. Right. And I'm going to trust that this was valuable. That's right. the invitation. The invitation is to do the thing and trust that it's valuable and trust that in the long run, there is greater security and stability and greater growth and maturity that's going to come from that. Right. There's this old uh, uh, saying of the Puritans. They, they would say, um, it, really simple, but just pray until you pray. And it's this idea that like, you know, prayer, and we're talking about stillness and silence, but, you know, prayer's, you know, kind of tangentially close. Uh, Prayer can be a really overwhelming or daunting thing, right? Somebody who's not in a regular habit or practice of that. Right. And so we don't want to start it. So we don't want to do the thing. But their whole thing is, well, you just, you actually have to just start doing it. And eventually you're going to then be really doing it. Right. And so... The stillness thing is you just have to sit and do it and it, you, right. you're not going to get any meaning out of it. It's not going to be meaningful for you in any way, in any way. But the fifth time, the 12th time you do it, there is more and more and more that's happening, even as you're not changing what you're doing. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Even when Ruben first meets Joe and and, and he's even at this point, he can't hear anything. So yeah. Joe has this machine that he's mic'd up to and will it's a computer that will auto generate senses as he's talking so Ruben can read them because um, that's the only way he can communicate he doesn't know sign language at this point um, which he learns by being at this deaf community but um, uh, just they, they touch on you, you know part of this community is uh, it's funded by a church and Ruben's like I'm not religious you know and he's kind of adamant about that that's why this isn't uh, an option for him yeah um, but that's why that line of the stillness never abandons you. And you can interpret that as God or the universe or whatever you want to interpret the stillness as, as being quote unquote, the kingdom of God. But that, that line is, is beautiful and, and, uh, and more, more than anything haunting to me for some reason mm. of like, this is the one thing that's not going to leave you. It, like there's almost an inferred everything else will. Yeah. And so if you don't come to grips or, or find the, uh, the beauty in, in this, like what else can you rely on? Yeah. You know, it's haunting. It's haunting in a good way. You know, you, you bring up that initial conversation that Ruben and Joe have in Joe's office and it's a great, I mean, it's a, it's a tough scene. 
because of how disoriented Ruben is. He, he can't. He cannot use sign language. Like Looks like said. an owl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eyes wide. You know, just what is going oh, on? And Joe says that later in the movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but but you just you see that so clearly in that first scene, and then their their final scene together after Ruben has had the surgery for the implants, and again we're talking about the the kind of echoes and reflection in the film. Um, that final conversation between the two of them is so to me uh, reflective of that initial one in in how much Ruben has changed because they're not speaking through a computer machine any any longer. They're they're just sign, signing to each other. Yeah. Um, and so you see how enmeshed Ruben has become in this community. You see how meaningful it has become for him. And it's it's in that conversation that that kingdom of God, it'll never leave you line comes out. And the right. con- the context of it is Joe is kicking Ruben out of this community. Because right. Ruben made the decision to get the implants, to get that surgery because he needed to fix his hearing. And and then he kind of was coming back expecting to be welcomed back and everything to be okay and this to still be a meaningful community for him. Right. I mean, part of it was him making the decision without... Um, uh, yes. Yeah, telling people. Yes. He he goes off on his own and does that. But so, so Joe, Joe is doing this heartbreaking, devastating thing. Like, Joe does not want to kick Ruben out. He has a lot of love yeah. and affection for, for this man. Um. But, you know, that principle that we talked about earlier, that this community, they do not believe their their deafness is something to fix. And how how Ruben now is a model, as an example, as someone who's been in this community, then taking that step, how destructive that can be to the mentality of people that are coming into it for the first time or the kids at this school. And Joe says, you need to, you need to pack your bags and you need to leave today. But then he leaves him with this, you need to find that stillness. That's the kingdom of God, and that's the thing that will never leave you. Because in some ways, I think the film is about finding community, and mm-hmm. um, and that's what Ruben finds in this home. And it's the community of the other deaf addicts, and the community of the 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 kids he's volunteering with, and the teachers that he's volunteering with, and the the mentorship he's receiving from Joe. It's a really rich community that he is uh encountering but now he's kicked out of it that like you you say it's so haunting because the implication is that everything else is going to leave and right. literally it's you got to go right and, and but if i could leave you one with one thing it's the lesson i've been trying to teach you all along which is even as you've really found meaning in this community that's ultimately not the thing that you can trust in for all of your days the thing that you right. can trust ultimately is the stillness you find into yourself and you know and and i think for joe that's this very uh important connection that he has with god that you know he calls it the kingdom of god and and that's where joe finds his anchoring and everything right and it's brutal in that scene seeing reuben uh like like still put on the front of okay i don't need this like yes. uh, J- Joe says you got to pack your bags and Ruben's like cool I'm out which it, it feels like how he initially his energy was when he first came into the community of I don't need you no that I he, don't need yes. people he gets up that after that first meeting they get up and they leave 
and he thinks they're going to go on tour still and they're in their RV and Lou finally says, no, you got to go back there. Yeah. And, and so both those conversations end with Ruben getting up and leaving that, that place. And, and, and it's one of, you know, that obviously that, that scene in, towards the end, the second conversation that we're talking about is really, I think the emotional crux of the movie, the emotional climax of the film in a lot of ways because it's this devastating thing and you can see and this is what i love so much about the performance of riz ahmed as ruben because he has this challenge of portraying this guy who in everything he does wants to put on like you said put up this front Mm -hmm. of i'm gonna figure it out i have a plan i got my routine we're gonna move forward and all of this and he so he has to play that but at the same time he has to also play the total devastation of now losing this community that he has become so enmeshed with over the past however long he's been there and and i think you see both things on his face and in his eyes in that scene and it's really astounding to me he's amazing in this movie yeah i mean one of the things i'm noticing with him is even his character has got such a specific walk and posture yeah it's unreal that I'm like that is a like metal rock drummer. Yeah, the way he walks around and broad shouldered and never kind of is like putting his arms down and and being vulnerable. I'm like, man, this guy is something special. Yes, it's this kind of constant on guard, you know, protected. Yeah, I mean, and, and in every setting, right? Yeah, right. Even volunteering with the kids. Yes, and that's where I noticed it. Uh, in my, in this kind of second watch of how guarded he comes into a classroom with like young kids, right, right, which is obviously one of the least intimidating. Well, settings. I don't know some people, some people. Um, another scene where I'm feeling what you're talking about, where you're seeing it all on his face. Uh. Mm. other than joe is when he first gets the implants activated yeah and yes. uh they turn him on and the sound that he he's like he for a second you see his face light up because he's hearing sound again yeah but he quickly realizes how distorted and ugly and abrasive the sound is and like i said earlier the sound design of this movie is so amazing that as you're watching you're like i can't listen to this this is horrible oh yeah and the doctor is there being like and she's trying to make adjustments from the computer of now how does this sound and it gets worse and yeah. you see so quickly him realizing okay i'm never going back yeah i'm never going back yes i'm glad you brought that up for a couple of reasons first i think it is it it really demonstrates the the reason for making this character who he is like this could be the story of any deaf person, but this this is so much weightier and so much better because it is he gets the implants and then it's the like second experience of loss. Right. And right. And how devastating that is. That that is so uh, so weighty in that moment where we, we've already experienced it once. But he at least thought he had a solution, and nobody warned him that he probably wasn't going to be able to drum again. Right. And then, and and you're absolutely right. You just see that wash over his face, and he experiences all that range of emotions of losing his music again. Right. And how, ugh. Where a lesser movie either would have done one of two things. 
made it sound great. Yes. And now a lot of his problems are solved and he never learns the stillness lesson. Yeah. Or it's terrible and he, he realizes it and he goes back to the deaf community and says, you guys were right, I was wrong, and just gets initiated or ingratiated back into that yeah. community. And it's like, oh, neither of those things happen. He It, it fails him and, and, and he again picks up on his, I've got to figure my life out now. I've got to try to fix me yes. just on my own. Yes. Yeah, it, it, there is no saccharine happy ending to this. There, there is a uplifting ending. I'll say that. I'm, right. I'm really, there's so much hope in those final frames of the film. But uh, but he does not get to reconcile with Joe after his ear, his uh, his implants turn out to not be what he was hoping. He, he just right. has to move on. They do have a bit of a cathartic moment of almost... Uh, thankfulness for the role that they play in each other's lives, but also reckon or realizing that that phase is over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and another, the one of the last uh, scenes we can touch on here is him hearing Joe sing. Mm. Uh, her, it's, it's her dad's birthday and there's a party. Lou. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Lou, not Joe. These short names are getting me confused, but he, he's at uh, Lou's house as they uh and it's her dad's birthday and he's got his implants he's trying to reconcile with his girlfriend and uh she's singing a song that she used to sing with her father as a child and he and we get to hear his implant version of the song and it's it's horrific and they're kind of bouncing back and forth between his version and the real audio and the real audio is you know beautiful yeah and uh it's it's just more devastating for you as a viewer to get to hear what music is like for this guy now, which is sick and yeah. and like uh, haunted circus distorted speakers sounding, you know, and and you just get one more level of I can't go back. Yeah, uh, the one of the strengths of the movie is the sound design. And I I think about an early scene that really illustrated this it's his first concert that he plays after he goes deaf he Mm -hmm. insists on playing a show and he's sitting behind his drum kit and and it's that muted kind of underwater sound that that is kind of the becomes the uh, this is how you know you're hearing ruben is deaf sound right and and you can just kind of just hear the, the the most basic you know drum beat there's just no flavor like the low end of it yeah that's just the low end of it and you watch him you know the anxiety build in him and he can't take it anymore he gets up mid-song from the drum set you know beelines it out of the club and then as soon as he opens the door to the outside of the club the the sound editing switches back to what we would say is just normal hearing his hearing hasn't changed in the moment but it it auditorily we are experiencing the uh release that he feels as a giving out of that situation right and like other than that there's not really a reason for it because his hearing hasn't changed but it's this constant kind of pulling you as the viewer into what he's uh what he is experiencing and then playing playing between that and normal audio to give you just kind of a much richer experience with it yeah, and you get a sense of relief that he doesn't. Yeah. I, oh. You're like, oh, thank God I can hear again. Yes. And 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 then to think that as you're watching it is this kind of 
extra layer of tragedy. Yeah, you're like, but he, oh, oh, he's still there. But he's still there. He's, he's still, still there. in the sunken place of hearing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, one of the things, as we're kind of talking about this and, and kind of wrapping up this section of our conversation um, that, that I just kind of wanted to, that was really meaningful for me, I wanted to touch on was, uh, again, this as we were talking about the implants and Ruben's insistence on moving towards this trajectory to fix his problem and move on and get back to what he had and it's i think that's the key part of the movie for me is he's always wanting to fix the problem so he could go back fix the problem so he could uh, uh, uh so he can relive or recapture or um you know have again the, his music career and his relationship with his girlfriend and all of this and i feel like so much of that it, it's a funny thing because this movie was made in 2019 it premiered at a film festival in 2019 and then was not released you know to any wider audiences until december of 2020 and so it kind of sat there for a year waiting to be seen um and this was definitely made pre-covid pre-pandemic but so much of the narrative of 2020 and and us living through the this you know pandemic is the tension between our new normal quote unquote and our deep desire to just go back what what is the what is the thing we need to do so we can go back to the way things were as soon as we possibly can right and we're sitting here march 7th recording this 2021 2021 uh a year into this and they announced just the other day that disneyland is going to be reopening on april 1st and which which, obviously is an april fool's joke (laughs) no which is like like would be great if they can do that safely and all of that like for jobs and all of that but a year ago when disneyland closed for the first time if you had told me it'll be a year before this right. i would have said that's unthinkable that that's that was so outside the realm of what i thought possible right and we have been so desperate to get back to disneyland opening for a year and it, it's disneyland right. and it's everything Obviously. right and i just felt like then this symbolic thing for me but but I'm. It's a, how do you find being okay with yourself as it is? Stillness, <laughs> responding to lots of things being taken from you. <laughs> yeah, timely and, movie. Yeah, I mean that's literally what we've lived through the past year. And I, my hope for me, and I hope for so many of us, is that we actually don't go back to the way things were in terms of a lot of these emotional mental spaces that we're talking about. Yeah, you know, my hope is that we're back in a lot of this stuff does look the way it was but that i hope we are better and more mature and more um attuned emotionally in that still silent place a shift of priorities yeah yeah well it's a good way of putting it um yeah and i and i think that's going to be true for me i don't i don't know i feel like it already is yeah you know like even in for us uh little stuff like working from home and getting to be around family all day instead of a couple hours a day. Yeah. And realizing how important that is, like, oh, wait, I was spending 80% of my life at a job, which obviously we need to do for work and money. But it's funny the the, the thought, or to not have the thought of like, wait, can't we do this? Can't I do this from home? Can't we figure this out? Yeah. You know, it took a global pandemic to realize that a lot of our work that, uh, you know, that 
we we make a living off of, but uh, can can be in tandem with something that more enriches your life, like yeah. being with your family at home. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, and I just I'm just so impressed by the way the the film captures so much of that, and I and it's just it's just what a what a providential thing that this yeah. movie that was you know produced so long before all of this is just so able and that's you know part of why we're talking about it yeah the for me it's the ability to haunt me yeah. like even today when i was feeling more inclined like i just gotta put a podcast on it's like why do i feel that but that temptation of oh i'm i'm feeling a little like i need to stuff my brain with something yeah and and then having you know Ruben haunt me, and say, D- do you have to? Oh, I know. Or maybe it's Joe more likely haunting me. <laughs> His uh, sad face. I would say, uh, when did you first watch this movie? It's been out since December. When, when was the first time you watched it? I were, I watched it in January in parts. Yeah. Um, but I just watched it again last night, giving my full attention. Yeah, I watched it again last night. I, I first watched it in January, and. It it's one of the movies that I think about more than uh, than I, I think about this one more than most of the other ones I've watched over the last three months. Wow! And yeah. and and I kind of dragged my feet to watch this one. I I was like, uh, I'm not I'm not interested in metal. <laughs> right? Uh, like that's what I thought it was. You know, I I, I knew the premise, but. I, I was like, Ugh, I'm, I don't want to sit through a lot of metal performances at the beginning, like you know, right. And I think I had seen that you logged it on Letterboxd, so I was like, all right. And then Riz Ahmed has been getting a lot of Oscar awards buzz for his very worthy performance, and so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll put it on. And it was on Amazon. And and another thing that I just absolutely love about this movie, the pace of this thing is so so great. Yeah, it is. You, there's, you, there's not too much fat on this movie. No, and and I think the 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 only place in the film where that gives it a little bit more margin and space that maybe you could call fat is in the middle where he is just enmeshing himself a part of this community. Mm-hmm. But I think it's right. okay. Like that's part of the point. It feels lived in. Yeah, and yeah. and it's like you you literally watch him drum for one song, and then three minutes later he's lost his hearing. Right, and I lo- I loved that. Me too. I'm like, okay, we're here. Great. It's like we're smart. We we can. We're, it's established. He's a drummer. Yep, yep. And we're gonna f- pick up the rest of this on the way. Let's go. Um, and I loved that the movie didn't do a gradual decay of his hearing, but yeah. it was instant, basically. Yeah. Um, which saved us a lot of like, all right, let's keep watching him slowly figure it out that he's losing his, you know. Again, that's what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was yeah. going to be this slow, gradual thing. And, and I know that's a real experience for a lot of people. And, and I, I just don't have any expertise in any of this. But I think as a movie, it works so well that it was yeah. it was instantaneous. Because they're not interested in the actual loss of his hearing. They're no. interested in, in him. No. The, and, 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 what that pull, and what that draws out. Yes. Him. All the themes that are drawn out of that work, work so much better because of that quick pace at the beginning. It's You yeah. are just straight right into it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so as we close our conversation, we're going to move into uh, what we're kind of trying to develop as a couple of recurring segments on the pod. Uh, some of these you have definitely heard us talk about in the past, but maybe here or there in our conversations, we're trying to kind of give it a little bit more structure, put it here at the end, and uh, just kind of be really clear about what we're talking about. Our first one, Mitchell, is our favorite, which is? Our favorite shots. Our favorite shots. Shot. shot or shots. Shot or shots of the movie. And, you know, a lot of our hope for these reoccurring segments is to eventually develop some inside jokes with our audience that maybe eventually turns into merch. (laughs) So, that in mind, Matthew. And I'll say, favorite shots shots is a kind of a funny thing to be talking about on a podcast because it is such a visual medium. But uh, you can, if you follow us on Instagram, we do post every week after the episode drops uh, both of our respective favorite shots from the films. And yes. um, so just just another way for you to just immediately be able to see kind of what we're talking about. So if you're listening to this a couple of days after it's dropped, you can go to our Instagram account, Movies While They Sleep, and check out our favorite shots for the film. So my favorite shot is from a scene that we've talked about quite at length. It's that final conversation between Ruben and Joe. And it's, it's the... I, I mean, I think I described it in detail earlier, but it's that moment where Ruben is being told he needs to leave this community and the waves of emotion and understanding and loss even as he's still holding his guard up all of that is happening on Riz Ahmed's face it's incredible uh but and that 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 on its own would make this a worthy shot Uh, but what I find really interesting about it is the framing of it and the way it echoes that initial conversation one of the things that I noticed in this second kind of rewatch of the film is that Ruben is very, very infrequently, very rarely shot uh, just head on with the camera right. right in front of him facing him uh, through most of the movie. And it was interesting because you and I were it's talking about this earlier. Shot. Yeah, you and I were talking about this earlier and you kind of uh, recognize the same thing. It's almost always in profile or from behind. Mm-hmm. And, and in, a, in an interesting way, actually, that uh, dr- constantly is drawing your attention, both because of the subject matter, but also the composition to his ears. His ears right. really take central stage and focus. Um, and, and so very rarely is he shot from the front. But this scene, the camera is just sitting right in front of Ruben. And it's almost like this is the moment now where he has to face head on the consequences of the decisions that he's made. And the, 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 the camera is is keyed right into that we we get to see every second and moment of it and every emotion as it you know washes across his face and there is no avoiding this for him this is which i think is a lot of what he's trying to do in the movie he's trying to avoid the consequences of his deafness he's trying to you know plan or scheme or 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 work his way out of this and this is like such a definitive moment for him it's such a simple shot but because it breaks the pattern of the movie, which is profile or from behind, right. because over the, shoulder. over the shoulder. Because it breaks the pattern, it just sticks out to me, and it is it it is that much more powerful and weighty of a moment. Um, right. So I I just love both because of the performance and uh, its context in the in the film. The choice. Yeah. Yeah, and now that you mention it, I think the only two other times that they they get that solid framed up center. Yeah, like right on shot of Ruben is the end and the first shot. Yeah, the first and, shot of him on the drums. Oh, go ahead. Wait, wait, well, go ahead. I was just say like the beginning shot of him 
on that drum kit, ready to go crazy, and then the last one on the bench, accepting, accepting where he's at. Yeah, and finding stillness. Yeah, and I I would say the other the other moment that's closest to it is the first conversation he has with Joe, mm. and but even then, even then, it's not the same level of. It's always it's still always an angle that yeah that doesn't. And that's that's immediate. that's why I think it's really it's at least to me it seems really intentional because because it's like, like Ruben and Joe have a number of one-on-one conversations in the film it's like three or four of them and this one is is uh, the first three or four are all like staged and framed the exact same way and then there's this one that is different and yeah. and that is just uh, you know really really speaks to the care and intentionality of the filmmaking yeah and and then obviously like you said the connection it has between the first and final shots of the film yeah and that acts as the like you said emotional crux of the movie yeah um no that's good uh i'd say that my favorite shot is uh it's kind of the the fedex logo arrow imagery for those of you who don't know, FedEx logo has a little arrow hidden in the type work that is kind of a fun Easter egg for geeky designers. But uh, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And so I was I was rewatching the movie, and there's a scene where Ruben is uh, he's at the the school uh, that is partnered with this deaf community, and um, I don't I don't know the, the capacity to like he volunteers there. Yeah. But um, so he's working with these younger kids, like kind of grade school, maybe middle school. Um, but in one of the scenes, they're they're watching a hip hop dancer, and one of the kids is clearly bored. So Ruben suggests that him and and the kid go and just hang out outside on the playground. And they're just kind of laying around on a, the jungle gym, and they're both on this metal slide. And Ruben's at the bottom of it, and the kid kind of starts hitting the slide. And the 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 kid is deaf as well. It's a school for deaf children. And uh, the kid starts hitting this metal slide, and uh, you know they're both feeling the vibrations. And Ruben, naturally as a drummer, starts just playing, you know, a little pattern that the kid tries to emulate. And they have this little moment of, like, oh, th- this is a way that they get to hear th- th- through the vibrations of this slide. And then it, the the shot kind of pulls back, and the kid is just um, listening to Ruben's drumming. And he he stops trying to imitate him, and he's just listening. And he's he's kind of just sprawled out, his arm lazily over the edge, and uh, the sound cuts to really far away. So you just hear this like pitter patter of Ruben drumming on the slide. But one, it's just a beautiful shot. Yeah. Two, it it just struck me of like, oh my gosh, it's a metal slide, the sound <laughs> of metal. And I was like, oh, they snuck it in there. They they pulled a fast one on me here. I, I don't know if it's too on the nose, but I definitely didn't notice it until <laughs> the second viewing. And I was like, oh, my God. It, that's why it reminded me of the FedEx era. I was like, it's there in plain sight. It's, the Sound of Metal. It's the um, Sound of Metal. It's it's like the best use of a title of a movie in the movie. Yes, because it, 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 it Trojan horses you with like, oh, metal band, like metal yeah. rock music. Um, but so that and then the last thing like maybe on a more emotional level, it, it feels kind of like a turning point for Ruben. Yeah. Uh, of starting to embrace his new reality yeah, and embrace the community that he's a part of and start to enjoy uh, the role that he's assuming in, you know, being a mentor for these kids and, and l- learning to 
uh, you know, be okay with his his life. And so, and, and I don't know, I, I'm probably reading into it now, but even just the the purity in the kids at this school yeah. who have just kind of, this is all they've known. And maybe coming back to some of that of, yeah. I don't know, the innocence of it. Yeah. But yeah, I, it, I just love how a shot like that that makes you go, oh my gosh, they, yeah, they pulled a fast one on me. I know. That's the, that's the freaking title. Yeah, that's really good. I love that uh, moment. And it's just kind of a series of montage, a montage in the middle of the film there too, just him you know, just kind of growing and finding health. Yeah. And it's a neat, yeah. neat place in the movie. His turning points. Yeah. All right, so that's favorite shots. Follow us on Instagram to see those visually, um, or you can go over to Amazon Prime and find those moments in the film. Our next segment is our Letterboxed reviews. Uh, uh, If you don't know, Letterboxed is the social media platform for logging and watching movies. Uh, You can kind of keep a diary going, rate movies that you've seen and all of that. Uh, That's kind of our go-to. And we report other movies that we don't talk about on the pod on there. Um, but I think we've both given this a rating on Letterboxd. Mitchell, what was your Letterboxd rating on this one? Uh, initially, when I watched it in segments and days apart and wasn't giving it my full attention, I gave it a three and a half. And uh, just so viewers know, my personal demeanor on Letterboxd, especially in my reviews, is a bit of a character uh, <laughs> it's it's almost the Kristen Wiig character, the ant that reviews movies that is like frustrated by by th- like little things, and she doesn't understand the plot. Um, so half the time when I'm reviewing, they're not very heartfelt. You can find the heartfelt reviews on the pod, but my review was Whiplash, but less memeable and probably better. Question mark. Uh, but having since watched it again, I'm gonna re-review it probably at a four or four and a half. I haven't decided. Yeah. So I initially rated it uh, when I first watched it as a four out of five stars, and and like I said, like I immediately really connected with so much of the themes about community and as that is related to church, as it's related to my faith, about the stillness and the kingdom of God stuff. I'm just so connected with that. But uh, in the time since I've watched this movie. And because of how much it has stuck with me, because of how much I think about this one more than so many others, and because of how powerful it was on rewatch, I'm going to bump it from a four to four and a half stars for me. This is this is a really astounding work. Yeah, it it, it un, unfolds more and more. Yeah, yeah. So that is the Letterboxd review segment. Yes, you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Um, and you can also follow the podcast on Letterboxd, which we, we don't necessarily write reviews, but we keep track of what we're watching for the pod. So that kind of brings to an end our conversation on Sound of Metal. I uh, really enjoyed this tonight, Mitchell. This was just a great movie, great conversation. Um, I know as fun as it is to talk about bad movies, like I care a lot, I think it's more enjoyable to talk about the good ones. So this is good. Um, and speaking of good movies, next week on the pod, we are going to be talking about Minari. Minari. Minari uh, is a new movie. 
as you you know, I got to see this in a movie theater in Boise. And one of the things that we're trying to do on the podcast is um, talk about movies that are readily available to stream on some of the major streaming platforms, Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, whatever it is. Um, but also talking about movies that are really current and in the conversation. And Minari is one that is really in that latter uh, kind of segment. It is not uh, on one of the streaming services right now. It is a 1999 rental on video on demand. So uh, I hope that is not a barrier for you listeners. And I'm, I, I will say this, that this is an excellent movie. This is a movie that is worth paying the money for. Uh, you would pay that money to go see it in a theater. It is worth uh, for the rental um and I think you would probably agree with that, right, Mitchell? Of course. Uh, yeah. That being said, uh, if if that 1999 price tag uh, is is not possible right now, or or feels like um, a bit too much to be spending on just a video on demand, uh, we have a solution for for you, dear listeners. We are doing our first movies while they sleep movie giveaway. Ayo, ayo. We want to pay for one listener's rental of Minari. One lucky listener. One lucky listener. Unless you Uh, find other listeners and go to each other's house. Mitchell, will you explain to us what does one need to do to enter into this giveaway? Yes. Uh, All you have to do is write us a review on Apple Podcasts and send us a screenshot of that review. Reviews and ratings really help us get seen um, in the Apple Podcast Store, and uh, we have a theory that they 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 praise the algorithm gods and and help get the show seen and heard by more people, and so uh, that that is all you have to do. And you send us a screenshot of your review for proof of your entry uh, at movieswhilethesleep at gmail dot com, or you can follow us on Instagram at movieswhilethesleep, and we have a post that uh, explains the rules of of the entry of the giveaway and on that on that post you know you 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 like the post on Instagram tag a friend and uh, again send us a screenshot of your written review of our show look the big thing is we want to see proof that you've uh, submitted a, a review on Apple Podcasts for us if you're on Instagram go ahead and give that post a like and tag somebody go ahead and just just but we, hit like yeah. and subscribe <laughs> Smash, smash like. <laughs> but we didn't, you know, if you're if you're not on Instagram and you're just listening, uh, we do want to make this available for you. So go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and then some uh, send, like Mitchell said, to our new email address. It is just movieswhilethesleep at gmail.com. You can just send us that screenshot proof of a review. And then Friday afternoon, March 12th, we will be randomly selecting one listener to get the giveaway. We're going to send uh, that to you in the form of an iTunes gift card that you can use. Uh, to to rent the film for a total uh, value of twenty dollars. Uh, that way, you can watch it that weekend before the pod comes out the following Tuesday, as uh, these episodes do. So, uh, be sure to uh, go on Instagram or leave us a review. You can uh, also follow us on Twitter. That is the MWTS Pod um, on Twitter. And those pretty much the, the ways to kind of keep up with this through the week. I'm really excited. Uh, one of the things that Mitchell has been putting a lot of time and energy into is just a, kind of our daily posts in Instagram, just different ways to engage with these movies. We talked about this, our favorite shots, uh, but just kind of also just 
you know, this week, obviously, you know what we're, we're doing. We're watching Minari, but just kind of reminders of the coming attractions week to week and the things to engage with. So uh, definitely check us out. Give us a follow on Instagram. Anything else you want to add, Mitchell? Oh, we are also slowly but surely getting all the pod episodes on YouTube in case that is your preferred way to listen to podcasts. I know some people at work like to have that playing on in the background. Um, and so you can also find us on YouTube. And the channel is just called Movies While They Sleep. We'd love to hear your feedback. Tell us what are the movies you want us to talk about. As we, I think, mentioned on the pod last week, we are going to be uh, continuing in in this vein of talking about new movies, but we're also going to be opening up space to talk about some throwbacks. So what do you want to hear us talk about? What do you want to make us watch? It better be good. It better be amazing. In the meantime, Minari. Free movie, Minari y'all. next week. Free movie. Free movie. Just got we a want to pay review. for one of you to watch a movie. So write us a review, follow us on all that stuff. We will talk to you next week on Movies While They Sleep. Good night, y'all. Bye.